Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Rosie and Carmen from Barnes UK, and you're listening to Pantsing and Podcast. History in five songs with host Martin Popoff, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back again for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are part of the vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. This is episode 99, um, and I'm going to be calling this one Gotta Move. Uh, you know, I've got that Ted Nugent song just kind of rolling through my head. Um, but uh, we've got no Ted Nugent for you here because he doesn't quite fit uh, the format of what we're going to talk about here. This is going to be an episode themed about uh, bands moving away from their, uh, you know, original base, uh, hopefully ostensibly to make it and where they went. And so these are some different examples of how that went, where they went from and where they went to and uh, how well it all worked out for them. Um, so there you go. Uh, let's uh, let's take a listen to our first uh, selection and we'll uh, and we'll hit the road. And by the way, you may notice every one of these song titles is about uh, motion, getting getting on the road, moving, uh, get, getting out of here kind of thing. Uh, so here's the first one. Take a listen to this. This is Alice Cooper with Long Way to Go. All right, so Alice Cooper is our first example of this. Um, as you as you may know, I mean, these guys made a lot of moves uh, in their lives, but essentially, uh, this is a band that started in Phoenix, Arizona, and they made one of those apocryphal, uh, like cliche uh, moves, one of the big popular moves, and that's the move to uh, to L.A. L.A. was already a happening place when those guys got there. They were almost horrified to see how many bands they were now having to compete with uh, when they got to L.A. Um, 
obviously you had uh, the big San Francisco sound. So you go up the coast and that's the sound that sort of gets all the news. Uh, but there were more bands, uh, uh, you know, in, in LA of all stripe, there was a big country rock thing going on, but there was plenty of psychedelia at all uh, as well. And Alice Cooper just kind of uh, immersed themselves into that. So they made this move and it didn't quite work out for them. Their records were just kind of weird and not great. They were on Frank Zappa's uh, label straight. And uh, what they decided is they had to move again. Uh, so this is a rare example of someone leaving L.A. to make it. Um, so they they almost left just to survive. They felt like they had um, had outworn their welcome. They had played too many places. They'd sent too many, uh, you know, prospective fans uh, to the doors screaming, uh, you know, not liking what they were doing. So they decided to move to Detroit which is a very strange thing to do. But back then, uh, you got to remember that Detroit was a really happening place with uh, with the likes of MC5, the Stooges, SRC, the Amboy Dukes, uh, you know, Mitch Ryder, uh, Grand Funk close by, uh, the Frost. Um, who else did we have there? Anyways, it was a, it was a happening place. Uh, it was it was a prosperous place with with a huge middle class uh, because it was the place that was building all the cars. Um, and they loved their rock and roll. They had Cream magazine there. Um, so this was uh, this was a move that um, they had made, good or bad. Um, but you know, we we've we've got to say, you know, this this move kind of allowed them to to network uh, as a little bit more of a universal band. They uh, they used that as their base, but they played all those all those fabled rock festivals around uh, Michigan and you know Illinois and Indiana and all the whole Midwest thing. So they became one of these great Rust Belt bands. Um, you know, had they had they not gone that far away, they might not have hooked up with uh, um, you know Jack Richardson's protege Bob Ezrin, who saw them. In in New York, uh, but they're close by in Toronto anyways. And then Bob Ezrin, you know, actually comes and helps them routine songs at the notorious, uh, you know, band house that they had out in the wilderness there. So, um, you know, and, and they also talk about Alice kind of, um, you know, rationalize this whole move they made by saying that, uh, you know, it did help them toughen up their sound and even, even make them more competitive because now you had to compare compete with these great showmen i mean it, it, the stooges were actually really kind of cool live but mc5 really had it locked down uh and ted was great too uh he was he was a veteran by this point already with the amboy dukes um so uh so yeah so i think that move worked out well for alice uh ironically later on you know in the uh in the moving towards the blackout years but even just you know the drinking and bernie bernie Toppin and from the inside and the hollywood vampires thing he does make the move back to uh la um, but you know, the band splinters, um, at one point they had the band house in Connecticut. Um, so they did that as well, but, uh, but yeah, this is a band with multiple moves. So I thought it would be a good one to, uh, to play as our first selection. Uh, and that was, uh, of course, from love it to death, uh, the, the album that was their breakthrough album. It was, it was a pretty big hit right out of the, right out of the gates. And, um, that was because Bob Ezrin really helped to straighten out their songs. And it's just not as, uh, as wacky and Zappa esque as, as the first two easy action and, uh, pretty, pretty for you. Um, all right, next selection, take a listen to this. This is Angel with Mariner. All 
right. So here's another example. This is a band that was from Washington. Very strange place to be a band from. Um, so at one point they, uh, you know, they had been kind of regulars in Washington and New York and Boston. They were kind of up and down. They, you know, they, they had run into New York dolls and Aerosmith a few times and they're picking up a few ideas, blah, blah, blah. Um, but at one point they had to make the choice between going with management that was based out, uh, out west or or go with david krebs who was even at one point wanted to get a uh, punky into the new york dolls uh, but david had aerosmith so it was do we stay here or do we move out west they took a vote uh it was kind of split but they eventually decided to move out west was it a good move for them you know they never really quite made it but um you know they were they were kind of an la kind of band uh anyways in terms of uh you know that that great sort of uh glam androgynous image uh you know the white all the stage props uh casablanca was out there um so their record label is there there's a lot of work out there um they record the albums there one of them's with the great eddie kramer they work with eddie leonetti so did it work out for them i think it worked out to be a pretty good catalog i even wrote an angel book um so that's how much i i like angel um but no i i think it it more or less uh was probably a good career move for them i think staying out east probably wouldn't have been a, a great career move so yeah ironically what you have here is you have alice doing it in one generation moving to la and here's angel moving to la uh, in another generation. They make the move, I would say, around 76, 76 to 77, that that kind of range. Um, you know, first album into the second album. This song I played you, uh, Mariner, is is from the first album. It's one of the mellower, proggy ones. It starts out a lot mellow than the part I played you there, but I don't want to bore you to tears. We got to have the whole band in there, right? Um, so there you go. That's Angel with Mariner. Uh, let's take a short break. All right, back again here, History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 99, Gotta Move, as Ted Nugent would say. Um, take a listen to our next selection here. This is The Saints with New Center of the Universe. All right. Like that title? Well, that's what they had to do. They had to find a new center of the universe uh, to make it. Um, and uh, did the Saints ever make it? I'd say they kind of made it. I love the Saints. I played these guys all the time. But first they moved from Brisbane, Australia to Sydney, Australia. And then they eventually said, all right, punk is happening in the UK. We got to go all the way to the UK. Um, they're on They're on Harvest, actually EMI. A harvest uh, EMI back home, uh, harvest in uh, in in Europe, and Sire uh, is their label in the states. Um, but uh, so they, the, what what I like about this situation is, you know, they are, are one of the few punk bands to move from a different country. Uh, to Britain to to participate in in the punk revolution. Um, what I love about this album uh, is that uh, you know, eternally yours, their second album came out in early '78, is one of my top probably 
four. Well, it'd be in my top five for sure punk albums of all time. It's an amazing, amazing record. It's recorded well. A lot of variety, a lot of riffs, pretty heavy. There's some horns coming in. There's some really neat things, a lot of variety. Um, so it's a huge improvement over the debut, which, you know, Chris talks about that album being more or less a bunch of demos, but it's raw and heavy too. We loved it as kids. So that came out in 77 uh, in brackets, I'm Stranded. Um, but no, for this record, they're recording at Wessex in London. Uh, Algie Ward has joined the band. So so you've got an actual uh, Englishman in there along with these Australians. Um, and Algie, of course, would go on to uh, The Damned. Uh, for for their greatest album, Machine Gun Etiquette, and then he'd he'd go on to Tank. So it's really cool that Algie's in the Saints here at this point. And they even did their second album, uh, pre, or third album, uh, Prehistoric Sounds, second album in 1978. They also recorded that at at Wessex. And then at some point, uh, I don't know, I, I I couldn't quite tell when the move back to Australia. They have they have one guy goes back, and then you know they they essentially stop being um you know a quote unquote British band. This was not a this was not a long standing thing. Um, but I just wanted to mention, um, while we're on Australia, ACDC kind of scattered themselves uh, to the winds. Um, you know, they, they more or less kept roots in Australia, but um, they were they were away touring in Europe and in England and America so much that you never really felt that they were in Australia. So you could stay in Australia, but as long as you, you know, tour your butts off uh, in these other places, you know, this is why I, I included them, or if I didn't, I, you know, they were the next tier in the honorable new wave of British heavy metal uh, band situation, because they just always seem to be Johnny on the spot uh, in the right place at the right time, you know, participating in that whole metal movement of the new wave of British heavy metal. And then, of course, you know, Brian Johnson, uh, they, you know, he's, he's English. They, they add an English guy. Um, and then, uh, later on the cousin from Scotland, um, you know, uh, so, and then the youngs also, uh, Angus, uh, ends up living in the Netherlands cause that's where his wife is from. Uh, Brian Johnson ends up in Florida. So he's an English guy joining this Australian band ends up an American kind of thing. Uh, so, so that's the ACDC situation. I, you know, other bands of their ilk at that time, I think of, Heaven and Rose Tattoo, for example, uh, they didn't, I, I don't feel like they really even toured as much as ACDC uh, over here. Obviously, the budgets with them not being as successful weren't as huge, but, you know, they they made some inroads. I think of Angel City, the Angels, um, you know, they tried to make it uh, over here, but they essentially stayed in Australia. And then a lot of those records had a, had a strange release history. Love those guys to death. So they were called the Angels there in Angel City here, right? Um and then the odd case, uh, the most isolated case is Buffalo. Buffalo signed to Vertigo. They were on Vertigo really early. I think that first album is 71. Um, anyways, the first album's a little overrated, and but the rest of the albums with those bad album covers are actually kind of underrated. Uh, they're really cool. The first one is Volcanic Rock, I believe, and then Dead Again. I think that's how it works. Anyways, um, they are they are kind of famed for being this pretty heavy band from right at the beginning, and they're on Vertigo, just like Black Sabbath and Heap, right? So that's really kind of cool um but they're kind of like an australian vertigo situation just like in canada here we have we have major label signings but they were signed out of the canadian office so they're not that major they're not as major had they been signed out of the american office but so that's a funny one buffalo uh and they and they did not uh, really try to make inroads and and make it outside so there's there's the case of if you stay too isolated in australia with those hard you know hard to figure out time zones where it goes over one day into the next day kind of thing uh 
you know, it really hinders kind of, you know, ma- doing business uh, with all these other places. You spend half your time figuring out what time it is between, you know, your two calls that you're having to make. And of course, back then the calls were absolutely astronomically expensive. So no internet and all that. Um, so yeah, Buffalo is, is a, is a good case of a band who, uh, who it seems like really lost potential because had they moved, they probably would have done uh, a lot more amazing. Um, all right. Let's listen to our next example here of uh, bands on Gotta Move. Uh, This is Foghat with Drive Me Home. All right, so I wanted to play Drive Me Home. Uh, It's from my probably second favorite Foghat album, Fool for the City. But I wanted to play this one because uh, of the uh, example of... They, uh, this, this band at this point gets an American in the band, a uh, very influential guy. He went on to quite a, quite a career as an actor and stuff like that. But, um, but, um, what happens is, um, well, what the heck is his first name again? Nick, right. Yes. Sorry. Nick Jameson. So Nick Jameson, uh, does a gorgeous job playing the bass on fool for the city, but he's also the producer of the album and he produces it really well too. Super talented guy. Uh, and I, you know, good buddy of mine, Bill church from Montrose, uh, you know, and Sammy Hager band. He, uh, there's, there's a, it's a bit of a long story, but he almost, uh, was going to be joining uh, the band at this time. This is one of the career prospects he had after, uh, after Montrose, but before he hooked up with Sammy and was loyal through Sammy's whole career there. But, uh, yeah, we could have had Bill church and Fawcett, believe it or not. It's kind of a cool thing. Um, but uh, just to give you their history, so they come from the Savoy Brown Blues Band. They're an offshoot from Kim Simmons, so they're all English guys. But upon signing with Bearsville, they essentially uptick and uh, and move to the states, and they they relocate to the states. So so a lot of us, you know, growing up uh, when you didn't know any better, kind of thing, um, we essentially considered them an American band after a while. I mean, you look at that cover of Foghat Live and those and those outdoor shots. It's you know what what is more American looking than that right um but you know and even their music you know their music i think i put them in the southern rock by proxy um episode because it it sounds very american i mean it sounds like southern rock but yes it comes from the british blues boom but it's also hard rock so it it fits right in there with your aerosmiths and your ted nugents and stuff and kiss um but uh so so they uh so they are a relocating uh band uh leaving leaving London for America, which is kind of odd. You really don't see that very often. Um because London is is, you know, to quote the Saint Saints uh new center of the universe, right? Um so London's got enough to sustain most bands, but this is a band that actually moved that way. Um, you know, they they add up they um as as you go on, uh, you also get Craig McGregor in the band. Uh, rest in peace. Died from cancer recently, but Craig was an American. So now you've got an American in the band, and later on uh, in the in the more poppy boogie uh, uh, part of their career, which kind of uh, you know parallels up with what quoted, you've got Eric Cartwright in the band. He's an American. Uh, you've got Charlie Hune, uh, famous American, came from the Ted Nugent band. Um, you know he's been their lead singer forever, but he's from Detroit. And you got Brian Bassett in the band in American. So now, um, boy, who is all in the band? I, I can't remember who the, uh, who, who'd be playing bass. Anyways, you've got, you've got Roger Earl, of course, uh, 
good old Roger. Love the guy to death. Uh, you know, he's he's British, but they've been I think they've been Long Island for uh, for all of this time. They, they've been in East Coast guys. They 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 were not they were not West Coast people. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty cool. So so this is a band that um, that moved from England to America and then just slowly over time became more and more and more American. All right. Let's move on to our last example here on episode uh, 99, Gotta Move. Take a listen to this. This is Poison with Ride Child Ride. Right, so that's from Native Tongue out February 8th, 1993. That record went gold. Um, this is the famous Richie Kotzen album. Pretty pretty darn good Poison album. I see nothing wrong with it. Um, but they're a band uh, that did that apocryphal move that you hear all the, uh, you know, the starlets trying to be stars in Hollywood. You know, the young girls getting off the bus. This is kind of that story because they're moving from Mechanicsburg, PA to Hollywood. Hollyweird, right? They, had, they even had an album called Hollyweird. Um, and I wanted to include them here because they just took to Hollywood like uh, like cats to a saucer of milk, right? Uh, look what the cat dragged in. So um, they became almost the quintessential uh, Holly rock hair metal band. Um, you know, the, the most extremely androgynous look with that, with that notorious front cover of look what the cat dragged in. So, so here they are being the most that way. Um, Brett Michaels is, is a perfect combination of David Lee Roth and Vince Neil and Steven Tyler, right? Um, so he's perfect in this whole thing. Their music is simple, really party music. They got their power ballads. They get to be a huge band. That's also part of being a hair metal thing. They got to be a really big band. Uh, it's funny though. I, I picked this one for the for the title, Ride Child Ride, Ride. But if you actually play the next song on the album, Blind Faith, it literally is about this topic. It it is about and and but of course they couch it in the you know the young starlet trying to move to Hollywood and and be in TV or film, right? Um, so, so yeah, I wanted to include one of those. Um, you know, I actually couldn't think of a lot of examples of this. Obviously, um, you know, uh, Axl Rose moving from Indiana is uh, is this whole thing, and then uh, and then Nikki Six kind of got bounced around in a bunch of places, and and he he ended up there. Uh, but you you don't. Uh, it, it's funny. I I couldn't think of a ton of examples, and I'm sure there are millions of them. And you can tell me on the Facebook page who they are. But uh, and you know, I was trying to think. Oh, did, you know, did any of the Canadian hair metal bands? do this because I won. It's funny. I haven't included anybody from Canada in here. And I thought Kickaxe, well, Kickaxe, I don't know if they actually ever moved from the prairies of Canada over to there, um, but I know they recorded there. And so they spent time over there. You know, they were part of the Spencer Proffer, uh, Pasha whole thing. But, uh, but yeah, then I started thinking of these Canadian bands and I couldn't think of too many that left Canada to try to make it. But, you know, certainly most of them should have had they had that been their main goal. Rush did it a certain way. Um, what Rush did, uh, they they established that template of playing in the states uh, all the time and being in the states almost they almost did like the ACDC thing like forget we're from Australia we're here for you and Rush was kind of like that as well to the point where uh, you know they they actually toured Canada kind of with the same frequency and quality and quantity 
that that an American band would, even though they were from here. But they staunchly stayed here. I know Neil eventually moved to L.A., but you look at Triumph. They stayed here. They stayed in Mississauga, you know, just west of where I am here in Toronto. Um, Tease is a band that maybe could have made it, but they stayed in Windsor. I think they have a Windsor-Montreal thing going. Uh, April Wine had, a, had kind of like a Montreal... Uh, Halifax thing going, I believe, uh, but they're definitely like a maritime band from Halifax. Loverboy never moved to the states, right? They uh, they remained, uh, you know. Uh, I, I think there's kind of a combination Calgary Vancouver thing to them, but but Vancouver band. Brian Adams, I don't know what Brian Adams did. I don't think he moved either. Um, so yeah, it's it's funny. Voivod didn't move. Anvil didn't move. Um, so yeah, when it comes to Canada, not too many examples of this. Um, but I'm sure you know. I'm I'm literally asking you now. Why don't Why don't you tell me? Um, are there Are there Who are the other huge examples of these hair metal bands? There's got to be a few more that did. Cinderella did. Cinderella move. Um, I think they did. Right. Um, but many of those bands were from there. Um, you know, your Dawkins and your Rats and your Van Halens and Quiet Riot. And they were all from there. Twisted Sister never moved. So they're, they're sort of like a like a hair metal band, I suppose. But they stayed uh, they stayed in their in their New York base. Right. Um, so there you go. Um, there are a bunch of examples of bands moving or not to, to make it. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's uh, I, I found it kind of interesting. The Canadian bands weren't uh, weren't weren't exactly like that. Um, if you liked this show and want to support future episodes, uh, we've got the Kofi.com thing going slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint uh, on that front this week. I want to thank. Joe Becht, Andy and Black Sugar Transmission. Again, Andy Andy is the guy who who uh, pumped up our music and made that intro music so cool on our on our YouTube show that we have uh, the Contrarians. We've we've started a few different concepts with that, um, so that thing's kind of expanding nicely. So that's cool. So thank you for that, Andy. Uh, Bruce Campbell is always very faithful uh, um, listener to this. I, I keep thinking listener watcher. I have to keep these things separated. Andrew Clark, Tim Derling, who's been on uh, Contrarians with us, uh, and I believe he and Marco are doing another episode. So he's been a great guest on Contrarians. David Fisher, Jeremy French, Kevin Latham, Matthew Nicholson, and and Augustin Garcia de Paredes, who is our moderator of the uh, Facebook page for uh, History and Five Songs. So thank you very much. Uh, you can go to Martin Popoff for all your book needs. Um, it's been pretty quiet lately, um, but I still have all of the three or the first. What do I have? The first three of the visual biographies that I have to uh, uh, import uh, with great trauma. I'll tell you that story someday, maybe uh, how hard and painful that is getting these things over from the UK. Um, but I have all of those. I've got the suite. I've got the flaming telepaths and I've got the, the print thing going on in the back of those. And I've got these ads things uh, that I've been drawing uh, as well. Long story, angel book, whatever. Um, so yeah, if something at, uh, at my site is saying it's in print, uh, you know, with the PayPal buttons, hopefully that means uh, it is. Um, so there you go. Uh, go contemplate this idea of bands uprooting, leaving mama, moving, uh, moving, uh, across to wherever some den of iniquity some horrible corrupt city uh, to try and make it in the music business uh, that is it for now talk to you later find all of our shows notes social and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts all songs can be found for purchase on iTunes Spotify or Google Play please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. 
We are on Instagram at R&R Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 